this this message has been something that the Lord has been brooding in me for probably the last I don't know six months, but really the last the last sixty days when we've been out of the church and, and the Lord has really been I get to use that brooding term because we have chickens now. So. Um, I'm like shaking. I don't even know why. Um, so I, I work for a really large corporation. Um, we were owned by uh, Warren Buffett, and uh, it's a it's a large corporation. We're national. We've got we've got stores and retail centers, all that kind of stuff in, in every uh, every state. I think or just about every state. And. Um, we have these meetings that our corporate office likes to call rallies. They get us all together, and, and we usually have three people that speak at each one of these things. We have the, the encourager. He starts it off. He's the one that everybody likes. He's the one that, that likes you. He, at least he does a really good job. Uh, if he doesn't care about you, pretending that he does. And, and then he gets up, speaks, and then once he's done, we get the, the Kool-Aid man. The man that comes up, he serves us the Kool-Aid. He's got the corporate Kool-Aid. He wants you to buy into the corporate ideology, what they're all about. He serves you, puts it up, he gives it to everybody. And then the third person gets up, and he's the enforcer. He's the man that that makes you drink the Kool-Aid. He's the man that says, you got the Kool-Aid in your hand, and now we're going to make sure that we make you drink it. And he's the one that gets up, and we feel, you know, they, they get you going like you're feeling really good, and then he gets up and tells you all the things you've done wrong. And how, if you did it the corporate way, <laughs> how better the outcome would have come, right? That, that it, would have, it would have turned out so much better. You would have sold so many more homes. You would have made so much more money. They usually get like three people that are the top in the region, in our region, like in Kentucky and Tennessee. And they'll show us what they've done and maybe one or two of them will talk. And if you'd just be like them, you'd be able to sell uh, millions of dollars and you'd make all sorts, you'd make six figures and it would be a glorious thing for you and us and everybody would be happy. Every single meeting has never failed. It's always the same thing. It's always the same thing. They might have a different message, but it's always the same thing. The encourager, the Kool-Aid man, and then the enforcer. And I... It's kind of a, it's a, it's a follow us mentality. We have all the answers. If you just follow us, if you just do it the way that we ask you to do it, everybody would be happy. And I, I began to, to really kind of reflect on that. And, and the Lord revealed how much the church has become that kind of entity. We've, and I, I've been calling it the corporate church or corporate Christianity. How much the, the church has adapted this follow us mentality? How much 
we've turned it into if you do it this way and you do it that way, this will be the outcome. And I've struggled. I've, I've struggled with that. And I've even looked back on the things that I've done as a pastor, as a leader in the church for the last 13 years, 14 years, and how much I've adapted the ideology, the mentality that if you would just follow what I say, all would be good. But there's a problem with it. There's a problem with that mentality. There's a problem with saying, follow us. Because Jesus says, follow me. Amen? Yes. Two simple words, follow me. And when he said it, everybody dropped what they were doing and they followed him. Amen. But the church has lost its identity in Christ. And I'm not just, I'm not trying to, I say this with, with fear and trembling. I preach this message with fear and trembling because the last thing I want it to look like is my frustration or my irritation with the church because that's not at all what it is. I feel like it's Papa's heart. I think that, and I don't think I know, that God has shown me His heart Revealed it to me in such a way that my heart burns just like his does. Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, I uh, Wednesday was a, was should have been a, a really great day. Wednesday, um, I had I was going to work from home because I ordered a new lawnmower. Oh. And if you if you see my lawnmower that I'm working with right now, and I mow about two acres of, of lawn, if you see the lawnmower that I'm working with, you'd be just as excited as I should have been. <laughs> I probably spent way too much money on this lawnmower, even though I think I got a good deal. But nonetheless, those are things that I hate spending money on. I I, I think the Lord put the grass there, put the leaves there, they ought to stay there, just how the Lord intended for them to be. <laughs> It's just my, it's just always been the way that I felt. I, I hate lawn work. But it makes it funner if you've got a really big, like just, like a, like Tim Allen, you know, like home improvement. Right? Or, oh, 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 is it? Whew, right? It just makes it fun. Yeah. And uh, it was getting delivered that day on Wednesday. I, I didn't have to go into work. And I got paid. And uh, I still work from home. But for the corporate people that are watching this, anyways, right? And uh, and I woke up in this incredibly deep sadness, and I could not shake it for the life of me. I didn't, I felt like a woman. And I even told my wife, "Is this what women feel like?" <laughs> and she said, "Yes." So I have validation in saying that because she validated it. And uh, I just felt like I can't shake. No matter, I should be excited. My lawnmower's coming. It's like even when they text me an hour before the lawnmower got there, I'm like, oh, I can't shake the sadness. And I don't think I realized until probably later that night or even the next day that it was Papa's heart and it was the sadness that he felt. And I, I missed it. I missed it in the moment that it was 
that it was almost a download from heaven. That is the sadness that, that, that Papa has for his church, for his bride, because the church is his bride. Matthew 4.19, Jesus calls, he calls to Peter and Andrew and he says, follow me. He didn't say follow us, he didn't say follow an ideology, follow this doctrine, follow this theology, follow this idea. He said, follow me. And they dropped everything they were doing. They left their father, they said they left everything. To follow Him. Amen. They didn't care what it looked like. Right. They didn't care if it was put together. They didn't care if it had money. They followed Him. And the truth is, is we can't, we can't follow Him in our present state of mind or being. That's right. It's not possible, guys. It's not possible until we have this transformative action in our life to be able to follow Jesus the way that He wants us to follow Him. Yeah, that's good. Completely and total sacrificial following. Where I will abandon everything. You are first and foremost in my life. First and foremost in my life. I, I had to take notes. I don't... I don't do notes, but this is things that the Lord has spoke to me over the last three months. And I, I would have forgotten. This is magnetic, so it's sticking to that. <laughs> Following Him requires us to change our ambitions, our goals, our complete life's direction. Yeah. It, it should, when we say, I'm following Jesus... We need to look different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Not just as people, but as a body. Yes. We have to look different. And it's not for the sake of looking different. Because I've tried that. I've tried just looking different. Whether well, if I walk the walk and talk the talk in front of everybody else, but I act this way over here where nobody else can see, I'll be alright. Guess what? I wasn't alright. Right. It got me here broken and ready to quit ministry. Ready to say I'm done because I was so tired. I was so tired of all of the effort that I was putting in. And I got no return from it because I didn't allow Jesus to be a part of my ministry. Yeah. Wow. I didn't allow Him to be to be. I didn't allow him to direct every motivation, every ambition. I didn't allow him to direct my life. I directed it myself. I got offended. I got hurt. I got mad. I got angry. And I lashed out. I didn't allow him to be everything that he wanted to be for me. And guys, so much of the church is that way. We've created this religion, this thing that we follow, but we stop following Him. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not, 
It's not about it's not about the removal and the forgiveness of sin. Listen, it is, but it isn't. Yeah. Because it goes so much further and deeper than that. Right. Yeah. That's that's just the stuff we can see. Yeah. We've made we we've we've put so much emphasis on do this, do this, don't do that, don't do that, that we've missed his true character. Yeah. Who he is, who he wants to be to us. Yeah. We've missed it. It sounds really familiar, doesn't it? It does. Because when we read her word, it's the pharisaical way of religion. Yeah. We, haven't, we haven't moved very far. I hope you're here in my heart. Following him has to look different. It, it can't be, well, I believe in him. Believing in him is necessary, but it's not following him. I believed in him before I knew him. <laughs> I believed in him before I ever darkened the church door. My parents believe in him, but they won't enter the church for nothing. So many people believe in Him, but they don't want to follow Him. Because following Him gets uncomfortable. Why? Yes. Because He begins to tear things out of our life that don't need to be there. Regardless of whether we think they need to be there or not. He does it for our own good. He knows us better than we know ourselves. We've we have to move beyond the superficial aspect of Christianity. And 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 this is a this is this is an even tougher message to preach here because we get so much right. If you want, I mean, if you if you want to put it on a scale, but there's so much more. There's always more. We've never arrived. We've never hit a plateau. We've never hit a point where I've got all of the Jesus I can get until I meet Him face to face. It's always more, 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 deeper, deeper, deeper. He desires us to know the secrets of the kingdom. Come on! Yeah. I can't even fathom that. I speak it out, but I can't fathom it. Because why would the creator of the universe want to speak to me? Why would he want a relationship with me? Why would he love me in my brokenness? Every time I've turned my back on him. He's never turned his back on me. Yeah. Never. Every time I've done it under my own strength and my own ability, he's always there to catch me when I fall. Come on, that doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. It never will, I don't think. But praise God, he's there. Come on. Hosea 6.6 6 
says, For I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice, and in knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. He doesn't want to show, guys. He doesn't want us to put a bunch of traditions and religion in front of him and go, We love you, Jesus. He wants loyalty. Loyalty means devotion. Unchanging love. Come on. Unchanging love. That's what that loyalty means. It's not just, oh, I'm loyal to you. Right. I attend the church. I, I do the stuff that I need to do. I'm this. I'm the secretary. I'm the worship leader. I do all this stuff. I've been there, guys. I exhausted myself in the church doing every possible thing I can imagine because I wanted to look more like Jesus. I wanted to be more, have more stature. This is really what it came down to. Yeah. I wanted to be noticed. Yeah. Right. yeah. Even though I was a humble person, I didn't want to be noticed. I wanted to notice. I still feel that creeping up in me every now and then anyways. I want notice. I want people to know my name. Even though uh, it's weird. It's 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 this <laughs> it's just weird. I don't even have words to explain it other than weird. It's flesh, I don't want notoriety. But there's this peace in me that does. Un unchanging love. Come on. When you I, I delight in unchanging love. He didn't care that we show up on Sunday. He didn't care that we sing. He didn't care that we stand up when we're told to stand up, that we close our eyes to pray, that we take our hat off when we pray. He didn't care about any of that, guys. Not one bit of it. It's all a condition of the heart. Amen. Amen. I've, I've watched... I've watched good people that love Jesus all their life. Serve the church, raise in the church. Never truly know who He is. Never understand exactly what He has for them. Because they never truly followed Him. They just followed a belief system. They followed a doctrine or a theology. They followed the church But I think the church stopped being his bride a long time ago. Hmm. I mean, if that offends, forgive. But I, I think it's true, guys. I really do. We stopped being his bride a long time ago. We we became the the we became the the kid that gets in trouble all the time that wants Papa's. Uh, wants his love. So we, we serve and serve and serve and we do and do and do and try to get noticed to try to correct all the things that we've done when really all he wants us to do is get on our knees yeah. and he'll wash it all away and forget it all. Come on. We've exhausted ourselves. There are good people that have exhausted themselves time and time again. 
because they think they're doing the right thing when all they really needed to do is submit. All they really needed to do is let him do it. What one of the things that that, that I think that drove me crazy and throughout the, the, the 60 days, whatever it is, how many days we were we were in quarantine, was seeing good people of God post things on Facebook and do all this stuff and thinking that they are helping God when really He just wanted to help them. Amen. We think we have to do for God. We have to fight His battles when He wants to fight our, our battles. Right. Come on. We don't need to fight a battle for God. I think He's got it taken care of. Yeah. I really do. First Corinthians chapter 12. I, it's, it's, a, it's 31 verses, but I'm going to read them all because I think it's necessary. I think this is, this is what the church needs to look like and should look like. Now concerning spiritual gifts, by the brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it's not because it's not for this reason any less of the part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it's not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were a, if the <laughs> if the whole were hearing. Where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as He desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. 
and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Are all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greatest gifts, and I show you still a more excellent way. Work. The body is designed to operate in so many different ways. The church, in a sense, should look a bit chaotic. Because when God shows up, things get weird. <laughs> things get messy sometimes. And I'm not saying that God can't show up in three songs and a sermon. I'm not... I want you to hear my heart. I'm, I'm not criticizing. Because there's no criticism. There should be no criticism in the church and body of Christ. I am not criticizing. This isn't a sermon... That says all other churches other than River City don't get it. Right. It's not that at all. We have to be united. If we don't follow him, we can't possibly be united. We can have a group that meets together on Sundays, Wednesdays, whatever days of the week. But there won't be unity. There will be secret division. Yeah. And here's the thing. We're in a place where God's power shows up in unprecedented ways. Yeah. Praise Him. Hallelujah. <coughs> But we can't take our eyes off of Him. Right, that's it. We can't get lazy. That's right. We can't get in a place where well, we just expect and we have good services and it's going to be good and, and then we're going to go have lunch. We, we can't get lazy when it comes to following Jesus. Yeah. 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 The, the church that I was raised up in. I, 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 I would have never imagined uh, that the power of God would stop moving as powerfully as it did. I never would have imagined that it would have ever had issues or ever had division or any of that kind of stuff. But at some point, 
At some point, eyes were taken off of him. And the body was scattered. My heart breaks. It, it, it breaks for the church. We were meant for so much more. We were meant for more than we could ever imagine. Jesus didn't come so that we could have religious freedom. Jesus didn't come just so that we could get into heaven. I mean, I, Jesus came and he was pretty divisive in a sense. But honoring. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? We, we, look at, we look at us to, we look at the church today and we see lawsuits and all this stuff. And while I think, okay, well, to a certain degree that that's admirable that you stood up for what you believe in, but I also think Jesus never sued the government. He never, he never got out in public and pulled, pulled the government or even the religious leaders out and said, we're, we're now going to fight against you. The honor... He never took his eyes off Papa. Yeah. Amen. He never spoke a word until he heard Papa speak it. That's right. yeah. hmm. What would the church look like if we'd only speak after we heard Papa speak it? Yes. We'd say a lot less, wouldn't we? We'd do a lot less. I don't think we'd be nearly as exhausted or worn out or irritated or angry or offended. Because if we only spoke what Papa spoke, we wouldn't offend because Papa certainly doesn't offend. And He cares about our well-being, so He certainly wouldn't exhaust us. Ministry is a whole lot funner when you begin to just do what Papa says to do yes. instead of trying to earn his approval. Exactly. We have churches out there that are trying to win his approval. He approves. Yeah. He loves us. There's no doubt in that, no matter what we do. Yeah. Just because we do more doesn't mean he's going to love us more. That's right. Yeah, that's true. The focus has to be this united body, united around Him, united around the reality of who He is. Because the early church, when we read about the early church in Acts and the disciples, they were united around the reality of who He is. Yes. 
They weren't reunited around a doctrine. They weren't united around a theology. They were united around the one that means the most. What they thought or what they believed didn't really matter because he was the focus. I mean, you, you pulled together a bunch of people that have nothing in common. People that wouldn't have spoken to each other otherwise. And God moved through them powerfully. And they changed the direction of the world. Come on. Why? Because they did what he spoke. Acts chapter 1. I, I'm, I'll just be honest. I, am, I have tried and tried and tried to memorize scripture. I have read the word. I mean time and time again. I'm an ordained elder in the Nazarene church. And I am terrible at memorizing scripture. I mean, I'm just... I just get real. I mean, I am terrible at it. I know it's in here. <laughs> I just don't always know where it's at. <laughs> Praise God for Bible Hub. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, 2, and 4 all say... That the believers were united and have one mind, heart and soul, is what it follows in chapter 4. One mind. It's not the pastor's mind. <laughs> it's not Peter's mind. It's not the leader. It's not the one that steps out more. It's his mind. Yes. Well, they were all united under his mind. What if, what if we got back to that? Huh. Come on. Yeah. We talk about the third great awakening. I just think it would unleash. Yeah. I think God is waiting for a body and a bride that would, that would submit themselves and, and operate under one mind, heart, and soul. Yeah. Yeah. I want to share the uh, let's share a story, and my wife gave me permission to share this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna share it because I think it's important. Because here's here's one really key thing: is God is not looking for robots. He's not looking for people that would agree just for the sake of well, we're gonna agree because He's God. He's looking for partners. He's looking for relationship, for intimacy. If I just agree with my wife because she's my wife and I don't want to argue with her, that's not intimacy. I mean, it would fare better for me, but, but it's not intimacy. I, just thought of, I think about a month ago, my wife came to me and she said, I don't know that I believe everything that the Word of God says. And inside I went, yes! 
why did I say yes? My wife, she's, I'm in ministry, I'm an ordained pastor. Why would I be excited that my wife came to me and said, I don't know that I believe the Bible? Because I believe that she was nudged by the Holy Spirit to dig deeper. Amen. Yeah. You've been a Christian for 15 years, 16 years? 16 years. She's followed along because an organization told her she should. Am I wrong in saying that? She's followed along because somebody said that it's truth. Praise God that she felt a nudging to say, I'm going to search this out on my own. I, I want to have a relationship and an intimacy with you, Jesus, to the point where I know your very character and I don't have to second guess anything. Yeah, amen. Yes. Praise God. The truth is, when we settle for a watered-down version of Jesus, we settle for a watered-down version of ourselves because we're created in His image. He came so that the godly image of which we were created would be awakened. Amen. So when we water Him down to fit our needs, to make us comfortable, we never really truly live up to who He's created us to be in our full potential. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we might be successful on a worldly term or whatever else. We might make money. We might do all this stuff. But we're never really living up to who He's created us to be. About, uh, I think it was around a month ago, the Lord spoke to me and, and I wrote everything that He said. And I actually put it on Facebook, but I'm going to read it here too. So I'm going to read it word for word because it's his words, not mine. My bride has made me into something I am not. She has turned me into what she wants in the moment. She sought after everything but my face. There are those that deflate my power and goodness for comfort, and there are those that inflate an experience to make it seem as if there's more than there really is. I desire... A bride that is willing to be vulnerable and admit who I really am. I desire a bride that is willing to be desperate for my touch. I desire a bride that is willing to move only when I speak. I desire a bride that is willing to put me first. I desire a bride that is willing to wait on my voice and be obedient to it. I desire a bride that is willing to be intimate with me in private. I desire a bride that is willing to be made uncomfortable so that I can comfort her. I desire a bride that is willing to take risks when I call her out. I desire a bride that is willing to worship me like nobody's watching. Yeah. I desire a bride that is willing to never settle for a watered-down version of her lover. I desire a bride that is willing to be still and hear my voice and feel my touch. 
to experience true intimacy. I desire a bride that is willing to walk in the authority I have granted her. I desire a bride that is willing to open herself to me in total submission. I desire a bride that is willing to sacrifice everything to walk in my presence. I desire a bride that is willing to get on her face in awe of my glory. I desire a bride that is willing to look fear in the face and say, I will not be moved. I desire a bride that is willing to believe, not because someone told her she should, but because she's experienced my goodness. Yes. I desire a bride that is willing to let me be God and allow me to fight her battles. I desire a bride that is willing. Papa desires us to completely and wholeheartedly submit ourselves to him. This, this isn't about bashing the church. It's not about pointing out all the things that the church does wrong because there are things we do right. What it's about is is refocusing our attention on Him. I believe the Lord has hit a reset button for His church. And I think what we do in the days to come will make all the difference. I believe that if we focus on Him in a way that we've never focused on Him, individually, this is more about individual intimacy than it is about corporate intimacy, guys. Because we can't truly have corporate intimacy if we don't have individual intimacy. So we can, we can blame the church, we can say this and this and this and this, but really it comes down to our own personal relationship with Jesus. Are we willing to lay down our life for Him? Are we willing to enter into the chamber room with Him or the bedroom? Because, you know, the chamber room sounds more fancy, but it's really the bedroom. And it's more comfortable to say chamber room. <laughs> Are we willing to enter into the bedroom and get intimate with our with 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 our God? To allow him to have his way with us. To change us, transform us. Because truthfully, following him without a transformative action is really only a thought. It's really only something that we do for the, for the sake of doing it. Following Him means we drop everything and we give Him our full attention. Not just on Sunday. Yeah. But every day. Yeah. He's ours. Every day. But we wouldn't move until we hear Him. That we wouldn't be satisfied until we felt his touch. When we when we understand the closeness that he wants with us, oh my gosh. It, it's 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 indescribable. It really is. 
So it's, it's not about changing this or changing that. It's simply focusing on Him. Choosing to follow Him. Not an idea. But Him. Following Him. Papa, I just, I just adore you. I thank you for giving me a discomfort for status quo. I thank you for giving me a desire for you like I've never had. I believe that, that you want to pour that out in this room this morning. I believe that, that you are calling your bride back to you. I pray that you would release your spirit in this room, God. That you would have your way with our hearts. that we would submit to you wholly. That there would be a transformative shift in our life that would be recognized by those around us. And that our life would be a testimony for who you are. I praise your name, Jesus. I thank you for all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen.